Welcome to the My Why Podcast, where educational storytellers Jesse Mann and Kristen Travers discuss identity-defining moments with special guests. Inspiration ensues. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good day. Wednesday. What month is it? What is the actual date? We do not even know. Uh, we're doing things a little bit differently here today on the My Why Podcast. We are actually recording this through Zoom video. So with obviously all of the social distancing changes and all of the different precautions, my why is taking things very seriously and we'll share with you a little bit more about why. And uh, yeah, so hopefully our audio is clear and thank you so much for joining us. We wanna start today by just giving a massive shout out to our healthcare professionals, to our essential workers, to the people who are keeping us in uh, food in the fridge and people who are keeping us safe and, and putting themselves and their families at risk. And also we want to um, draw attention to those people who are immune suppressed and immune compromised and um, to those elderly that obviously if um, some of that demographic get the coronavirus could be very seriously impacted. So shout out and uh, yeah, that's what we'll be talking about today. Hey, Kristen. <laughs> Hi, Jesse. So nice to see your face. It's nice to have you back in the office, even though you yeah. are on a video. I'm in my basement in my spare room. Yeah, it's kind of neat. One thing I will say about doing all of these Zooms is it's kind of neat how forgiving we all are with, you know, like a dog barking or kids playing or it becomes kind of part of the fun of a Zoom video where, you know, in, in the old days, I say with air quotes, it was like, oh my goodness, their dog is barking. They're in a business call. Right. Well, I think it's like this whole, I mean, national epidemic, I guess, well, worldwide epidemic, uh, pandemic, I guess, it's life. Like, I think it brings into focus that this is real life and these are real people and, and um, we all better be kind to each other. Yes, we do need to yeah. be kind to each other. And I think that a lot of us are, are missing each other. And so... Mm -hmm. <laughs> It, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what life lessons we learn from this that we continue when we're back in the real world. I know you and I have talked lots about some of those lessons. We'll talk about some of those today. Right. Uh, making sure we hold our, hold our ass to the fire a little bit on these ones, yeah. and making sure that we, that we commit to some of the big lessons that we're learning. Yeah, 100%. So we want to talk a little bit about, uh, Kristen and I share a little uh, when we're presenting and have shared a little bit on our recent cast about our immune issues, and we have quite a few of them. So um, welcome, I guess, uh, a very unwelcome welcome to the Prendazone Club again. Kristen, you're back on Prendazone yourself. Well, yeah, like Jesse and I have very similar circumstances, but very different and Jesse, you have battled an autoimmune issue for quite some time, right? And I am just new to this realm. Um, so like Jesse and I have been friends, it feels like we're sisters, but we've only been friends for what, three years? Yeah, um, we met on, Yeah, we met at a conference um, and then we immediately decided that we had so much in common, we can't not be friends. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, you have this? Oh, wait a minute, you have this? And, and um, so Jesse, I wanna hear more about your autoimmune issue. Cause I, I do feel like you have a rare, it's, it's semi-rare autoimmune issue and you handle it like a boss cause no one knows that you handle this or that you have this kind of a 
a serious condition. Right. Uh, okay. Well, sorry, um, I just kind of jumped no, in there. Let's but do I, it. Let's do yeah. it. So 2013, um, I was always a person who my mom always taught me that after, you know, 18, you need to go and you need to get a yearly physical and take that seriously. And she always said, do it around your birthday so that you never forget when you're doing it. You know, and it doesn't come, oh, I think I did that, you know, last October. And then it's three years um, since your last physical. So I was going for routine physicals. So 2013, I go, same thing. Um, I had a doctor actually move and another doctor come into the clinic, but I was relatively healthy. I mean, sure, I was tired all of the time, but uh, they said, do you, are you okay to you know, continue with this new doctor? Of course, they said yes. And um, his name is Dr. Ackerman. I got to give him a shout out. And uh, so we did the blood panel and uh, went through everything. And my blood tests had shown uh, increased uh, ALT and AST. So essentially showing that I had inflammation and some issues with my liver. And this had come up for probably five years before. So every, every May, I would have these elevated levels and you know, my doctor would ask questions. How are you feeling? Are you able to work? That kind of thing. Yes, of course, I'm able to work. I was working like crazy and uh, owning an acreage and doing photography on the side. And yeah, so um, when I got to Dr. Ackerman, he said, okay, well, we need to do an ultrasound. I'd been for five ultrasounds. And uh, the ultrasound came back, everything looked okay. And typically that's when we stopped and we would just wait until next birthday and see what happened. But Dr. Ackerman kept pushing and he said, these levels are not okay and uh, we need to do something about them. So I want to refer you to a specialist. I was phobic about doctors. I always had been before. I had to have like <laughs> friends or family come if I got a needle because I would pass out if I had a needle. And uh, doctors and that kind of thing was not at all my realm. Um, actually seriously phobic for sure. And uh, so fine, I just said, I'll, I guess I'll do it. Uh, he seemed like it was important. So I went and met Dr. Caustic and um, the two of them kind of worked together with me and they decided that these levels were very unhealthy and probably causing my body some, some serious damage regardless of how I was feeling and they wanted more answers. So I, um, by that spring, so spring of 2014, they had gone in and done a bunch of biopsies. And um, yeah, when they pulled it out, they realized it was extremely scarred. Uh, my liver had, I had cirrhosis. I was just before, so I guess there's four stages. Um, I was just at the very high end of three, just moving into four. I had lost a big chunk of my liver because of the scarring. And um, then it was time to get on some aggressive uh, medications. And so prednisone, which I, which I brought up that um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I hate hearing that you're on it now. Um, yeah. So I was on prednisone for about 16 months and a very, very, very heavy dose. And uh, there's maybe somebody listening that's um, has some experience with prednisone. I, it's an awful, an awful, wonderful drug. Um, what we needed to do was kind of put the fire out in my body. And so the steroids sort of, um, gave my body the boost. And I was also um, at that time introduced to Imuran or azathoroprine. And what that is, is it's a, an immune suppressant. So uh, an autoimmune disease, and there are so many, like, um, and I wrote a couple of them down too, because it's, it's such a broad umbrella, uh, lupus, IBD, MS, uh, type one diabetes, psoriasis, Graves disease, vasculitis, all of those are different types of autoimmune. And so my autoimmune disease is just autoimmune hepatitis. And actually it took me probably five years that when I would go to a pharmacy or whatever to be able to say 
autoimmune hepatitis because I was always like embarrassed to say hepatitis because people would think I had like hep C or something, which right. uh, if you have hep C, there's nothing to be um, embarrassed about. It is what it is, but I, you know, it's taken there's me a long this, time. A little bit of a stigma involved in that. That's right. So right. I still have a tough time depending on who I'm talking to saying autoimmune hepatitis, but um, my body basically mistakes um, parts of like my immune system mistakes parts of my body as, as bad guys. And I made too many white blood cells. So this azathioprine that I was introduced to that I have been on ever since, um, since that biopsy um, just kills my white blood cells. And so I have as many white blood cells as you or anybody now, but if I were to quit all of that medication, I would be overloaded. And then my white blood cells don't have anything to do. And they apparently don't like my liver too much. So uh, when I'm with friends and things like that, obviously I can't drink and, and I don't drink and things like that, they'll say, oh, you know, Jess has got a bum liver. But the reality is, if I had a bad liver, I would have probably died. And I guess like 93% of people die with the type of levels I had within the first couple of years. And I had had them for five years and I was just, I was just working. So, right. um, I, I mean, sure, I didn't feel great, but I was busy. I, I didn't also feel terrible. Like, you know, I'd go and I'd meet a different doctor and they'd say, oh, are you, are you able to work? I'm able to work. So um, I live, I, for the most part, I can kind of, you know, go day to day. Um, there's definitely some, some um, side effects to the medications that I'm on, but I just try to be as positive as I can for sure. And, and trudge through, I, I am in a relapse right now, which obviously Kristen, you know about, but um, about two months ago, two and a half months ago, all of my levels started to climb again. And so we moved uh, me to another specialist as well. I still um, work and, and I'm a patient of Dr. Kosick and Dr. Ackerman, but specifically to a new um, liver specialist in Saskatoon. And um, we're just kind of, again, trying to put the fire out. I tried a different steroid for a month, which I thought was working and was so excited. And then you go and you get blood work, which sneaking out to the hospital right now, um, I've only left the house a couple of times to get blood work. Um, is definitely is definitely kind of scary and interesting, but sneak out, get the blood work, realize that this new steroid's not working. And so we've just gone back to a high dose of prednisone for, for two months. And hopefully that'll put this fire out, as they say, and we'll be back in action. But Right. So yeah, you've had quite the journey with, um, you know, figuring out what works for you and what medication works for you. And you know, if you're able to, and you never stop working, like you're the busiest no. woman that I know. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what you feel good doing and not, I mean, you're very, like, we're very lucky, like auto, autoimmune, sometimes you have extreme fatigue where you can't get out of bed. Yes. Um, you know, you can't really tolerate life sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. and I am really lucky with mine that it is my liver because the liver regenerates. And so in my last big, I, I had just gone through about five months ago, gone through a big round of all kinds of different tests and these new scans that are available that ha that weren't available originally. And we found out that I'm actually kind of like high end stage one now and that my liver is actually regenerating. So I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it is really good. I think that I'm just going to be on that path of you know, it'll, <laughs> I'll have moments where it's on fire, as they say, so to speak, and it'll kind of come and go. And that um, I, I, <laughs> Brenda's own, I have, like, I woke up this morning, and after I take 
my meds and take the steroid, I feel so great for about six hours. And I think that's probably how normal people feel. Like I get up, I feel great. And then after that six hours, oh man, like I can hardly function. My muscles are so sore. Right. Um, but I make sure that when, when everything's really, really tight and I'm feeling like absolute garbage, I still, I just got to get up and I take the dog for a walk. I try to get a little jog in, you know, something just to loosen myself up. And, and that's definitely, it's been nice to have the time with um, socially isolating to, um, I always wondered if I would work out if I had the time. <laughs> people would say, wait a minute, no, like time, that's just an excuse. But right. for me, it's not just an excuse. I actually do work out when I have some time. So. Well, and I think too, that's very important for health in general. Like we always say like, watch what you eat, exercise. Um, and if you don't exercise, if you don't move your body, you stop, you, you deteriorate. Yeah. Like that is essentially what you do. You just don't you deteriorate. So I think when you have a, you know, an autoimmune disease or a disease in general, you have to move your body or you stay stagnant or you get worse. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad to see that you're working out and I know you're busy anyways, like you can't sit still. So I, I'm, I was assuming that you're taking ACE for walks and yeah, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. ACEs for I, yes. ACEs is my really rowdy Australian shepherd. Um, I wondered, you know, when this all started, how I was going to, to handle the socially isolating because I, I am so busy, but mm -hmm. I have to say that this time, um, has probably been the best time for just introspection and reflection and, um, learning how to slow down and, and really enjoy it. Like, um, Chris and I were just talking earlier this morning about, this is the first Easter I've had where I haven't gone between, you know, four different homes and I haven't rushed around. And this is probably physically the best I have felt in a really long time. And part of that right. probably is the steroids, but I gotta say, like, I'm really trying to enjoy this time as much as I can, even considering, you know, the things we're missing out on, um, the financial pieces that, you know, are a struggle, um, missing people, um, any of the, you know, the bad feelings that come from it. I mean, it's not always easy. You know, I had two days where no. I was just a, I was a wreck. I'm like, I, don't, I can't do this, but. Well, and I think too, like that's, I mean, I miss, I miss my nieces and nephews and I'm like, I miss the family. Like I miss my outside family mm -hmm. and my friends. And, but at the same time, this is a pace I can live with. And Jesse and I have talked about this so many times, like, um, my health history is like this last five years has been a roller coaster. Um, when I had the stroke, I've, I've talked about the stroke several times, I guess, but it left me with, you know, residual aphasia and, and I've recovered. So like I've, I've been very fortunate uh, with my recovery and um, you guys will see that I you know, misspeak and, and I, I don't say the right thing. I don't say the thing that I want to say, but as far as like, I'm very fortunate because I, could be way worse off. Um, but I, I do have a lot of, you know, post-stroke fatigue and I'm tired a lot and, and, um, and it's come with a lot of other, you know, these things that we're figuring out, like these autoimmune things and, and septic shock and, and seizures and all of this kind of stuff that's happened in the last five years. Um, but I've maintained the pace of quote unquote normal people. 
um, my husband is very, very, he's busy and he's active and he, he likes to expose my kids to as many of the things that, you know, that he can, um, which is great. And so do you. And so do you. Exactly. Like you're always 100%. trying to create yeah, opportunities for them. Memories and all of that kind of stuff. But like, sometimes it's, is wearing on me for sure. So like this time, like social isolating is like, oh, I, I could get used to this pace sometimes. But at the same time, it's like, I, I miss a lot of things. Of course, of course it's hard. And of course it's difficult. And of course, homeschooling my children is, I mean, hats off to you teachers. <laughs> to teachers wow. too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because wow, it's, it's difficult for sure. But um, I, I could get used to this pace. And it's like you said, a lot of introspective, like there's, there's positives that come out of this. Cause like um, we talked about that um, instead of, I have to stay inside, I have to look inside. Like there's times that we we're so busy that we forget what we want and we forget what we need. And we forget like how, how much stuff we need. Really. We don't need a lot. Um, but at the same time, of course, we're missing a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff that COVID has taken away. Um, but there's a lot of positives that we can take from this as well. Yeah. And Jesse, you, you think the same way. Like, I think that's why we're very kindred spirits as well. Mm-hmm. One thing, like, and I, I talk about, I bring this up all of the time, but when I met Kristen, I was a, a resume over legacy person. And I was also right. a bucket list person. Like when right. I remember I was, you know, I was 17 years old, my older brother died. And I remember saying to myself, uh, when we walked in and and seen him there, um, saying like, I'm going to live as hard as I can, because he can't. And I kind of made that promise to myself. And I think that I did that, you know, and I'm, I'm on this obviously learning journey too, but um, I've gone to more of the legacy pieces over the resume pieces in, in life and with jobs and with professional pieces but I needed to move some of my personal stuff from those like bucket list um, memory maker adventure type things to just like, it's okay to make memories in the home. So whereas, you know, prior to isolating, I would be like trying to get Josh to do different things and trying to, okay, mom, we got to, you know, enter this place. We got to go here. We got to do this. We got to book this trip. And honestly, some of my favorite memories, and I mean, obviously I'm isolating with Josh, but some of my favorite memories with him have been refinishing some furniture, drawing, uh, baking, like things that we would never normally do. And I've kind of realized that the memories don't have to be these like bucket list big things either. But um, yeah, and, and it's kind of freeing. I would say, you know, I woke up yesterday and I said, you know, I need to talk to you about something. I said to, to Josh, like, I feel like a weight has kind of been lifted off of my shoulders because I realize now that I don't have to hustle for my worth. And you did a great post after I, I shared, you know, that conversation and that realization over the last week where I very much felt prior to this, like, um, and I didn't even know that I felt this way, that I had to do things for people. I had to, um, always be providing something to a relationship, like something tangible. And now I realize that like, uh, I, I'm enough for certain people just as I am. Yes. A hundred percent. And I, you, you brought that up to me and I was like, yes, Jesse, like, I'm so glad that you realized that. Cause you do that with us too. Like, you're like, I did this, I did this, I did this. I was like, Whoa, like, you don't need to do any of that. Like we, 
I just love you no matter what. Like you, and of course you bring to the business so much. Like, and of course we do need to do that stuff for each other. But at the same time, like that was a big realization for me when I had the stroke. Cause I mean, I, like, I couldn't return to nursing immediately. I couldn't mm-hmm. return to this. I couldn't, I couldn't bring value, quote unquote value this for the same, for the same reasons that I, I did before. Um, and all of a sudden it was like trying to figure out your identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, like you don't have to hustle for your love and you don't have to hustle for your worth, but that's God. It's a process. And I still have to realize that. Yeah. I still like the moment I feel inadequate and the moment I feel insecure, I want to, I, I want to earn money. I yeah. want to um, make sure that someone knows how you know valuable and awesome and love, you know, lovely they are. And I want to make sure that everyone is secure around me. Yeah. And sometimes I don't have that energy and sometimes I can't do that. And then I feel worthless and I feel insecure and I feel, you know, like it's, it's a whole spiral yeah. and it's, it's realizing that you, you're enough just as is. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to, to learn that. <laughs> and that's yeah. like, it's a big, like that COVID-19, the whole, the process of learning it. Like I thought I learned that when I had the stroke because I was like, what, what bigger lesson could I have learned, right? And I was, I'll never forget this. And then I thought I learned it when I had the seizures. So I kind of forgot a little bit. And then I thought I learned it when I had the septic shock and I kind of forgot about it. And then like, there's so many opportunities. If you listen to life, that will teach you some big, big moments or big, big lessons, but um, we forget them all the time. I think a big part of that for me is that you've got to have somebody in your life and and find that person where you can get them to kind of hold you accountable to that, Mm -hmm. where you can talk about it. Like I, I have you, you know, to do things like that. And I, you know, and we have each other for that. And we we're lucky that we're open enough with our kind of our journeys and our, our learning, however ugly it is sometimes that we have people in our lives that will say like, Hey, you know, you, you said, you know, three months ago, you need to slow down and, and have those type of people in your life where they can say, okay, slow down. You learned this lesson. Remember that conversation that we had and just say, you know, and bring that back to the table for you. Because I mean, I mean, we're not just going to learn things and change decades of our lives. You know, we lived it a certain way. You can't just change overnight. Yeah, it's a it's a process, and I like I'm I'm very infamous for saying like I just go back to nursing. Mm-hmm. I, I love nursing. Don't get me wrong, like, that's you're my so good at it. Yeah. Biggest passion for sure. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I can't. Like, I literally have to stay at home because if I get if I get coronavirus, I will probably be. Like, I would be the one that would be intubated, and I would be the one that would be the statistic that I would be dead. Yeah. Jesse, probably the same. Yep. Um, so we take this very seriously. But the moment the economy was kind of tanking and the oil went down and um, yeah, the opportunity to not have that security, I instantly was like, I'll just go back to nursing. And it was a whole bunch of my friends and my husband was like, no, like you can ne- like never go back to that right now. Mm-hmm. But it was like you, you just go back to what you know 
and you forget about all of the learning you did <laughs> just right. when you, you feel insecure, but you just have to realize there's a process to that. But you didn't have to walk away from what you loved about nursing. So maybe no, you walked not away all. from the profession in a sense, but you know yourself well enough and have had hard enough conversations with yourself and others to realize, okay, this is not healthy for me. I can't do this. Um, I, but I, I know I love to help people. I know I love, you know, um, mental health and healthcare and, and things like that. And I mean, we're, we're doing some of that through your passion with, with my why and look at, I mean, you're constantly answering messages from people through the podcast, through different, you know, um, um, committees and things like that, that you're on for people who are facing some of the same, um, things that you have faced. Yeah. I think it's an evolution, right? Like I think you take that knowledge and you take that growth and, and you turn it into something else. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> And yeah. so let's talk about, okay, so obviously like stroke, seizures, um, you almost lost your leg a year, a little over a year ago now. A year septic, ago. Yeah, septic shock. Um, I think the picture actually just came up of, yeah. of us in the, in the hospital. Yeah. Me thumb, just a year thumbs ago. up, you looking adorable actually. How she looks good when she's just about to lose her leg in a hospital bed is beyond me. Um, and obvious, like this autoimmune you're kind of on that path right now where I was on in 2013, where it's like, what, right. the, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, yeah. I feel good, then I don't. And what is like, autoimmune is so difficult to um, diagnose. It's so difficult to find out what kind of medications are going to work. Like, what do we know about your autoimmune issues right now? Well, we don't really know a lot. Honestly, to be honest, I, I've tested positive for the markers. Um, so Anka and Anna is, is some of the markers that you test for. And then it's just starting this journey. Like I, I had this, like obviously I was 31 when I had the stroke. Um, and who has a severe stroke when they're 31? With no, like it was cryptogenic, which means there is no cause for that stroke. So obviously they tested me for everything and kind of figuring out like, why did you have this? And they still don't know. Mm -hmm. And then there was a whole bunch of other stuff that just started happening and I felt really, really poorly, obviously. And, and I did, um, had, had quite a bit of post-stroke fatigue, which a lot, most people that have a stroke have post-stroke fatigue, um, where you just can't function. If you're tired, you have mm -hmm. to sleep and you have to, and I didn't, I couldn't sleep. Um, so, I don't know if the post-stroke fatigue masked a lot of the issues that I was having. Um, but anyways, I just, anything that I got exposed to, like the flu or the like a cold or that I used to recover from quite well, just knocked me on my ass. Right. Um, like even just this last January, I had um, like quite severe pneumonia that I was yeah. hospitalized and, um, so yeah, it was just kind of this plethora of, of just health issues. And this last March, um, last year, I had a black dot on my leg that all of a sudden um, it went to cellulitis within 12 hours. And then all of a sudden, cellulitis is like a infection in the inner layers of the skin. Do you and remember we were, I think we were walking out of, I think we were walking out of Dermay or I was walking out of Dermay or something. And I said to you, 
you're going to, you will be the person like, go get that looked at. You will be the person that like, and I, I want to say that I said something like, you're going to lose your leg, like go and check it out. And then it was yeah. like three days later, we're in the hospital. Yeah. It was like a black, I don't know. It was like such a black dot. And I was like, that's weird. And it was kind of a bump. And like, honestly, I'm the, I do not go to emerge and I do like, I'm a nurse through and through. So like, if you guys know nurses, we do not go to emerge. We do not get things checked out poor our poor kids because god forbid they they will <laughs> like break an arm or bleeding profusely before we take them in and so I left it long I left it too long um but yeah it got worse and then um and then it was a red you know red spot I was like oh crap I should probably get that looked at and I was like ah it's gonna be fine and then within 12 hours it spread um to my leg like quite a went bad and then I finally went in um, they sent me home with some antibiotics and then they're like oh yeah make sure that you come back within the next day and we'll check it out again and that night um it went septic um so I was heart, with you that it well I was like that night like well yeah when I went back to emerge yeah yeah sure. like I'm my my pulse was um almost 200 my blood pressure was like 30 on I think 30 on 70 at one time and like it was I was bad like I you handled I it like a boss I was sitting there like losing I wanted every one it was it's pretty cool when you are a nurse and you know all of the doctors and nurses because you had like they were all in there like Kristen's in the hospital why would she be in here like this has yeah. to be serious <laughs> yeah. you had a team I did I was very 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 fortunate and to poor Jen like Jesse just came because I think Craig told her like in the hospital whatever and, and I was quite bad like they were I don't know like they were they knew that it was bad and I was kind of oblivious and at that time I was like so out to lunch because I yeah obviously had septic shock um and then Jesse comes in with this big huge blanket and I was like <laughs> I was shaking for sure but I you know obviously my fever was like through the roof but I, I needed to have that right and so I didn't need any blankets whatever and Jesse just throws a blanket over me and, and I'm like I don't need a blanket but thank you very much that's what you brought me when I was in the hospital and that's I what know, I needed right? so yeah, I just returned just, the favor she's just so wonderful I just love her but anyways yeah I was like that <laughs> and so yeah I just from a, a black dot on my leg to a full-on septic shock where organs were shutting down and and they were you know, wondering about if I had necrotizing fasciitis on my leg. And, and so they didn't even really know what that was about. And it was just a staph infection. So like everyone has staph um, bacteria on their skin um, right now, like everyone has it. And um, so I, for whatever reason, I could not fight it off. And um, so it was like, I don't know, months and months of IV therapy and and walking with a walker and that was the worst pain that I've ever had and I was so freaking stubborn I didn't take a walker um, for quite some time and it's just trying to walk on it and yeah it was ridiculous and stupid and looking back I was like why did I do that um, but we're nurses and, and stubborn and, and Jesse you're stubborn and, and yeah we just suffer through the pain and then um, yeah, so then it sent me to a, a whole bunch of, you know, rheumatologists and, and all that kind of stuff. And still, we don't know, like, it, I, I'm not, I don't have um, 
lupus because I've tested, I don't have lupus. I don't have, I, they don't think I have vasculitis. Um, I've tested negative for a lot of other um, autoimmune issues. It doesn't, it hasn't really manifested into anything that they've right. tested for. Uh, but I do have neutropenia, which is, um, so that's a, a, like a white blood cell. I, I don't have enough white blood cells. And so the white blood cells is something that we, like the blood uses to fight off infection. And so I don't have enough of that. So that tends to um, make me prone to infection and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm just in the process of figuring all of this out. Um, it's so funny that I make too many of them. You don't make enough. It's like we, like we joke that we were kind of attracted to each other at, you know, the conference and we became friends that way. Maybe it's like, yeah. she makes too many white like blood cells. So she doesn't make enough of yeah, them. Exactly. Okay, let's bring them together. Well, yeah. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is true or not for sure, but I did, um, look up two different re or, um, um, like resources. And, um, it says that there's more than 80 different autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. that exist. And so often all of those symptoms sort of overlap, making them hard to diagnose, obviously. Right. And a more common in women and often um, autoimmune run in families, which I know like your mom has some. Yeah. So my mom has vasculitis, like quite severe vasculitis. And she was on that journey for quite a few years where she just didn't feel well. And, you know, doctors after doctors after doctors didn't quite diagnose her. And and so now she is, um, she's on Imuron like you yeah. were on for quite some time. Um, and then my aunt has lupus as well. So, I mean, I'm assuming that I will, this will manifest into something, something autoimmune. Um, I do have, you know, obviously positive markers. So there is something working in my body. I do have to be very cautious, but I think <laughs> Jesse and I always joke, like we're the canary in the coal mine. Um, people with autoimmune issues are Technically, like they they get sick fast faster than others. We um, we do have to watch how much we're sleeping. We do have to watch what we eat. We do have to watch how much we drink. Like all of that kind of stuff. Um, we don't have as much leeway as everyone else does, um, which I mean is kind of shitty. But at the same time, we just have to be more aware of what we do to our bodies and and what we're exposed to. So it just makes me. Um, makes us, I guess, more aware of, of the surroundings and, and who we are, who we are in this world, I think. Mm -hmm. One thing you said to me once was um, about giving up control. And so I think of you with the whole unknown. And I'm lucky that my unknown, um, that period of time was quite quick before we kind of found out because living in the unknown would have been very hard for me. But with with you, you, and I think uh, this is just another one of the million reasons why you're in my life. Like you taught me that like you have to give up and relinquish all um, control of knowing what the future holds, regardless yeah. of what that looks like. So, I mean, you know, something is going on. You don't know what that is. That has to be insanely, you know, stressful, but also I know for you, it's, it is what it is. And you've just given up control. Talk a little bit about that. I honestly, I think the biggest realization and the most powerful realization for me is the biggest strength for me is, is surrendering, um, to, to surrender to life and to realize that we don't have control. 
like fighting life is is really what brings on stress and what brings on anxiety and what makes us realize that um, it, we think of we think of things that we want a certain way and they don't go a certain way and that it makes us realize that um, sorry I aphasia is acting up right now but like really like I don't really have control of what I say sometimes um, but I think surrendering to what is will be and mm -hmm. um, understanding that we have this moment we have this life mm -hmm. um, surround ourselves with the people we love um, mm -hmm. we have control over what we say hopefully we have control over um, who we surround ourselves with and we have control over how kind we are how you know how much we love um, how open our hearts are and then just surrender um, i don't think we can define ourselves with our past i don't think we can define ourselves with you know with our our careers our our um you know our money our our weight all all of that kind of stuff that we kind of hold dear to us um and really this these circumstances like this COVID-19 kind of strips all of that away. So when I had the stroke, everything that I, I thought I was kind of stripped, was stripped away and I was just left with me. And I had to kind of surrender to who I was now in this moment being present. And I don't have control over what the future will bring. And I know that I'm strong enough to deal with whatever it will, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I, uh, I think it makes perfect sense. I think that I have you reminded me of, of that all of the time and, and just giving that up and then in, in, losing, in losing Dusty and then in losing dad. And it just seems like I have those reminders all the time. If, if you have life, you have it all. And when I lose any sight of that, it, it's like my life, as you know, like just seems like I, I lose somebody else. And if, if you're, if you're living and you are breathing, it is a day to make great. I mean, we just, we just lost Rick a couple months ago mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, I, I just have to always come back to if, if you've got breath and you've got a roof and you've got um, you know, just even a couple people you can, I, I mean, you got it all. And we're, we're so lucky in our, in our country and in our lives to, be of a percentage of the world that is so insanely, you know, lucky for, we were, we were lucky just being born where we were. And I got to come back to that a lot of the time when, you know, life gets tough or I get hard on myself or I make a mistake or there's a regret or there's whatever to come back to, okay, I just got to let it all go and, mm -hmm. and move forward. And the only person I think, you know, I try and the only person that I can compare myself to is who I was yesterday. Yeah. And, and that's a, a powerful quote and something I just kind of continue to keep coming back to so that when those really bad moments hit us, you know, it's, and again, own it or be owned by it. We, we have to just take it, own it. And uh, otherwise it's going to own us. And I know that I said that to myself um, in 2014 when they said, okay, this is forever, like no more drinking, no more this. Um, you have an increased risk of cancer. You may not be able to have right. children. You may not, I was like, okay, like, I remember sitting in my car and being like, okay, like you got to man up and you got to own this, or you are going to go down a dark hole of why me, this sucks. Um, and I just, yeah, I guess made that, made that decision then to try and always think of that. But 
I've also tried to actively surround myself with people who, who get that, who support that, who don't, you know, oh, that's so terrible. That's so terrible. I can't be around people like that because as soon as they start saying that and you, and they do it with love, um, and and they have the best intention. But when, if I even go for supper with somebody that's like, so tell me, how is everything? As soon as that tone, I'm two days to get out of that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, actually I don't feel very good. And this isn't very fair. And yeah. You know, and we, we all, I mean, we're everybody, everybody listening to us right now, um, has things. We all have stuff. We all have hard things. We all we have, are all recovering from something. Yeah. We are all recovering that's, from something. That's a price to pay for life. And I just talked to my son about this yesterday and um, my son is very anxious about his cat because he saw his <laughs> other cat die oh. and he's nine and he like, he hasn't lived a lot. Right. So like, this is a big deal to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, well, I, like, I don't even want to, I can't remember what he said, but he's like, I don't even really want to love Fluffy. Fluffy's our cat. He's very fluffy. Um, I don't even really want to love Fluffy. And then we had this conversation about like, you know, if, if you open your heart up and, you know, you, you love someone, you, you we're on the risk of losing them. But at the same time, you wouldn't want to lose all of the years and all of the moments with them, right? Like that's, yeah. that's part, that's what makes life. That would, yeah. That's what makes, you know, life worth living. We can't close our heart up to that. We can't close our heart up to the experiences and up to, up to um, you know, the connections that we make. Because I mean, honestly, if, if I didn't, if Jesse and I wouldn't have met or we didn't want to have coffee with each other like this, my why wouldn't have grown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I grew up in Kid Scotty. Um, there was a lot of suicides when I was growing up. I think there was 10 within you know, eight years or I can't even remember probably. Well, you were very, very close to some of the people. That yeah. My, my best friend um, committed suicide when I was you know, in grade nine and, and, that changes you. Mm-hmm. I've lost a lot of people. Jesse has lost a lot of people, but that doesn't stop me from loving mm-hmm. anyone else. Well, and I think loving people, but then loving our jobs and loving, you know, like I think that some of that better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all can sort of transfer into, into Anything. our careers and into our oh, life. Yeah. yeah. Life. You have to live life fully because otherwise what's the point? Yeah. I think that's what Jesse and I talk about all the time is like, like I did not almost die three times, you know, like that's, it's made me realize that life is worth living because mm-hmm. otherwise what's the point? Like, well, and, and the bad days are okay too, because they're there for, to teach us something. Yeah. And God, there's lots of bad days. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone thinks because we do this stuff and we go to conferences and and we talk about resiliency and, and we talk about compassion and all of that kind of stuff. And, and people think that we don't have bad days, but mm-hmm. God, there's been a lot of bad days in the last five years, for sure, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the good days outweigh the bad days. And you know what makes it worth it is like you, you said that people reach out to us all the time and there's lots of stroke survivors that reach out to me. I think I get probably at least three or four messages a week about you know, my husband had a stroke or I had a stroke or yeah. you know, what's next and, and um, 
you turn all of this bad stuff and, and help and make your pain worth it and help someone else. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what we're here for me. That's what we're here to do is, yeah. is to make those connections and make your pain worth it. Yeah. And hard lessons over no lessons. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, Laura Lee posted something today and I know it resonated with both of us. And so just as we're closing yeah. today, um, it's funny that she posted and then we're both commenting on it right, right away. So the, the quote that she had found was when you say yes to others, make sure that you're not saying no to yourself. And I think that that's something that applies to kind of everything that we, you know, have been talking about. I know that applies to the lesson I hope to continue, um, learning and practicing after all of this isolation business is done is, um, and it's funny cause the women's conference that we met at the previous year, when I spoke, my whole tone of my, my presentation and my speech was say yes say yes, do it, you know, push into things that make you uncomfortable and all of that, which I'm still, you know, a huge advocate yeah, for get out of your us comfort too. zone yeah, me too. and say, and say yes. Um, but the podcast for us is a say yes, because it's, it's hard for us in different ways. You with, you know, with aphasia and me with, I just speak on tangents and sometimes I'm not very, <laughs> you're, you're great for this. <laughs> you're wonderful. But, um, you know, like, uh, we need to make sure that what we say yes to isn't um, at a cost to what and who and where we want to go and be. And I think yeah. we have to have that, have that reminder all of the time. And are there things yeah. that you, our listener today, are there things that you're saying yes to that um, you could maybe say no to, to protect yourself? And, and I mean, it doesn't have to be like a, no, I'm not doing it, but like there, pass <laughs> yeah pass on there, some of that stuff that's not yeah, you have it. to keep your sacred time sacred and I, I think that you know if you're a young mom um, that someone asks you to do bake sales or stay up till three o'clock in the morning baking or like that's not important um like there's things that you could say no to that is not important and not meaningful to you and say yes to things and free up time to say yes to things that is meaningful and is important to you. So, um, so I, we want to encourage you to do that. Yeah. If you want to bake, bake, if you don't. Exactly. A hundred percent. Sorry. I'm not a baker. I think no. <laughs> yeah. I, I apparently am one now. <laughs> I know. Social isolation has turned you into one hell of a baker. Yeah, um, that's awesome. One thing that, um, I don't know, and maybe this is not that meaningful for, for you guys, but I didn't know that I had a favorite time of day. This is, this is a really strange thing. I haven't told Kristen this either. Of right before, like when you can still see without a flashlight, it is the best time of day. I have never noticed that time of day before because I'm always mm -hmm. running, 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 running. So I'll be sitting on the couch now and I'll be tired or we've eaten or whatever. And it's time to wind down. And I'm like, I gotta go. It's my favorite time of day. So I grab the dog. I sometimes put headphones in. Sometimes I don't. Um, most of the time, actually, if I'm not listening to music, I leave my phone and make sure I don't take it. And I just go for a 20 minute walk. And I said, I didn't know that I had a favorite time of day. I didn't know that I liked walking and jogging really. Right. So because I, I mean, I, I didn't actively say no to a whole bunch of things to clear up that space for me to realize that I loved, you know, this time and I needed this time to myself. So, so social isolation had to throw me into learning this, but I don't know. I just feel like what other things can I say no to? And what other things do I really love that really fill me up that I don't even know what they are yet? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that is a great lesson too. That's a great thing to notice. I think we just need to know this more. We need, we need to, to be aware more. and notice more. 
And a big thing too is write things down, like have those reminders, get some post-it notes up of some of those mantras that you have. And uh, I know that makes a huge difference for me. I used to, you know, read different things or listen to a podcast or whatever. And it would say, you know, goal set, write things down. And I'd be like, nah, I got it. It's all up here. It's good enough. Don't have time to write it down. I've been writing some stuff down and kind of trying to, you know, remind myself of it because again, I have some time right now. It's made a huge difference. I got to say, I'm now that person that's like, write it down. Yeah. Yeah. No. So you as listeners, I encourage you to, to follow Jesse's lead and um, figure out what your favorite time of the day is. Mine is dawn. I I don't see it often, but (laughs) mine is not dawn. (laughs) I like to slide right through dawn (laughs) and straight to 1145 coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see it often, but I, I do really like it. So uh, we do have a bunch of questions that have come through on um, social media, but I'm thinking maybe some of our connection is getting a little freaky. So I think maybe so. what we'll do is we will close out today, um, but get writing some things down, share with us different things that, um, different lessons that you're learning. Uh, we are going to be doing a takeover with Just For You Day Spa on Friday. Yes. So you'll notice on our social media, Jess Tattoo will be taking over ours. We'll be taking over hers. And we are working on a little something with Elevation. Um, Tanis out of Vermilion to do kind of some highlights for our amazing healthcare workers, as well mm-hmm. as small businesses. So we encourage you to support small business when you can and reach out to those healthcare professionals that are putting themselves and their families at risk to keep us safe. And we just hope that you guys continue to, one, take social distancing super serious to keep people like us safe. Um, Thank you, thank you. And um, yeah, we also hope that you have a little bit of time during this crazy time to do uh, a little bit of reflection. Thank you so much. Thank you.